It's time now for The Complete Story with Rich and Dick Bott, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Rich and Dick Bott with today's Complete Story. Well, 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 Rich, I tell you what. Now, since you and I sat in this studio and talked, um, some crazy guy, some person that was so empty, some person that was so filled with hate or something, I don't know what was in their head or in his heart. I don't know. But he did something in Las Vegas, Nevada that was just hurtful. Uh, and he wanted to kill people, obviously. So we don't know everything. We don't know everything yet. But what we do know is that guy was a little boy at some time in his life. I don't know who his mother was. I don't know who his father was. I don't suppose he ever attended Sunday school. I don't suppose he ever attended some place where they taught him to care about others. And what you're doing for the life of another person is the thing that's most satisfying. We could go on and on and on about that, but we have a mess, don't we? Well, Dad, you know, as they talk about this in the secular media, they, they struggle for the right words to describe what happened and the motivation and the heart of that man that, that committed that mass shooting in Las Vegas. But, you know, they don't talk about good and evil. And certainly that man committed an evil act out of an evil heart and that is the reality of it. And we need to be able to talk about things like that if we're going to be able to address them properly. Well, the difference between good and evil, the difference between good and bad, the difference between up and down, on and off, hot and cold. Always there's a difference, and that's the difference between whether a person's going to heaven or whether a person's going to hell. And you can't acknowledge one if you don't acknowledge the other, but we're really getting off to a fast start here, aren't we? And the Bible... The Bible is our foundation to understand good and evil. So the Southern Baptist Convention, the whole worldwide Southern Baptist had their convention in St. Louis, uh, Missouri, and that was pretty wonderful, a year ago. wasn't it? That was a year and ago. Ronnie Floyd from Arkansas, he was the past president, but then Pastor Steve Gaines from Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis is the current president. That's right. And that's all fine. But then it was sometime six or eight months ago or a year ago, somebody told me that uh, Dr. Gaines and his wife Donna, they also have a heart for education and to get kids into a decent school and make sure that the kids of the whole city, as much as they can possibly do it, are getting the knowledge so they can grow up Mm. and they can be young men and young women and they can be fathers and they can be mothers and they can be wage earners. You know, it comes out of the earliest days of a child getting a vision and getting a passion for what their life has potential to become, does And specifically for young people to learn how to read, because I've heard it said that at first you learn how to read, and then you read to learn. Yeah, well. So if you don't get a good foundation in, in learning to read when you're young, it'll make it very, very difficult to learn later on. All right. Now, listen, now you, we got to get to our guest. Our guest is Dr. Steve Gaines of uh, Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, and the current president of the Southern Baptist Convention. But in my opinion, even more than that, he has a heart for people, mm-hmm. regardless of what church they go to, if he can bring them to the foot of the cross of Christ and then make sure that they have a good education. It's all important. So, Dr. Gaines, it's nice to have you as our guest. 
Thank you. It's a joy to be with you. Well, listen, uh, we've been prattling on here for quite a little while. What are your thoughts uh, so far as to all of these things that America's facing? Well, I'll just talk a little bit about what the Lord has done in Memphis. We came here 12 years ago. I followed my dear friend and a mentor, Dr. Adrian Rogers. The first year or two were kind of a tough transition because he was such a great man, so beloved. But the last 10 years, we have had a tremendous ministry here. And we started something about my second year here called Bellevue Loves Memphis. It's not that the church did not love Memphis before I came, but we uh, put that together and we started just going out into the community. And, and as the old saying goes, finding a need and meeting it, finding a hurt and healing it. And Memphis is uh, a very racially diverse. Yeah. Uh, wait, 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 wait now, sir. Don't, don't go too quick over that. Give us that again, because that, that came out of your mouth so fast, but I want to drink that. I want to think about okay. that, that <laughs> phrase. That's wonderful. Bellevue loves Memphis. We, that became our motto in our church. And, uh, you know, we were looking uh, at uh, just how the city perceived our church. And we did not want to be just a white church that was pulling away from other ethnicities in our city. We wanted to make sure that we were focusing on not being an inwardly focused church, but an outwardly focused church and an upwardly focused church, focusing on the Lord and hurting people. And so we decided to find a need and meet it, find a hurt and heal it, and we started ministering. And one of the great areas and uh, that we started ministering in were the schools. And we started ministering to the Memphis City Schools at that time and the Shelby County Schools. Now they have merged together. And we are doing a lot of ministry, teaching young children in the early ages how to read. And uh, what you said a moment ago about uh, you learn to read and then you read to learn, that's really one of the things that we uh, emphasize as well. We have trained uh, well over a 1,000 people now, closer to 2,000 people, in a program that my wife started, Arise to Read, and it is focusing on targeting kids in the second grade, teaching them how to read. You know, a lot of times you'll see kids dropping out, and you'll see uh, grown men or young men walking around. We don't like the way they're dressed. We don't like their attitudes or whatever. But if you go back and you see kind of how they got where they are, uh, they were young children coming from families that did not really teach them to read, did not go over their homework with them. And so they come up, they don't really know how to read. And if a child, this is a true st statistic, if a child does not know how to read on grade level by the, uh, fourth grade or right in that area, then there is a 60% chance that that uh, child is going to either be in prison or on welfare or no. on both the rest of his life. I don't I don't want to stay on this for the whole broadcast except except I want to say that um, someone told me if um, if they don't have themselves connected with self-respect and a vision for their future and having acquired the knowledge to have plans for their life, they are destined. They are already trapped. So a child learns to read, and then uh, I like what Rich said, but the other thing that I like is a child learns to read, and then a child learns to love to read because it's when the child learns to love to read. You can teach a kid how to ride a bicycle, 
But until he puts that away and he's already skilled in writing, then he gets an idea. I can go places. I can right. go places. Then he learns to love to ride his bicycle. And well, so, when they can't when they can't read, they get frustrated and they get made fun of, and then yeah. they start uh, acting up and rebelling. And then eventually, if they can't read, they get in junior high, high school, they quit school, they get in gangs, they get in trouble. But it all goes back to that earlier time when uh, they did not really grasp the fundamental yeah. of reading. So my wife has trained uh, a lot of people now, and they go in, they volunteer an hour a week, and uh, they work with individual kids, and those kids light up. These volunteers that we send in, and they do two 30-minute segments per week. And those children, a lot of them don't have anybody that is faithful to them that's going to show up that they can depend on. And when those volunteers walk in, it doesn't matter what color their skin is, these inner-city kids light up just yeah. like a Christmas tree, and they, they are learning to read. And the test scores that are, are, are coming in are off the chart. We are seeing inner-city kids come just to a brand new level schools rising schools that were failing they're coming up and we believe that's part of what god wants us to do because we we when, when are, you say us minister to people's physical yeah. needs as well as their spirit when you say us i assume you're talking about the church and that isn't just your church that is the church in this city to really serve the needs of the city and that's the whole city Absolutely. We have we have branched out. We have gotten a lot of other churches on board. And now, last year, they were in 21 schools. Now we're in uh, 30 schools this year. And we are seeing this thing. It's, it's just growing exponentially. Yeah. And it's because the hand of God's on it. It's easy. It's a sight uh, reading list that the kids learn. They try to learn a thousand new words in a year, and it changes their lives. Uh, Dr. Gaines, uh, before we get away from this portion... I read, I think it was uh, six, eight months ago, that the average college freshman, now this isn't from this part of town or that part of town or from this city or that city, the average college freshman today reads at a seventh grade level. That's pretty atrocious for what is happening across America where literacy skills are being forgotten about because even in grade school, and you touched on this, when the attitudes and the respect and everything else isn't put into the child's life to have an attitude of learning and someone isn't correcting that and helping that kid know this is school now and we, we're going to move on here and do things. So that's a sorry thing. But to turn a corner here, this fellow who did all of this shooting up in Las Vegas, Nevada, he's a pretty smart guy. And uh, apparently he can sure read. He certainly has a lot of money. He has lots of houses. He has all kinds of things. The one thing he had was hate in his heart. I don't know much about that. We'll learn more about that later. But his heart was a mess, even though his head was full of knowledge. Absolutely. Knowledge in and of itself is not sufficient. You have to have the fear of the Lord. You have to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to realize that Jesus is the one who paid our sin debt on the cross and that we are all sinners. And if we don't deal with the sin issue, then knowledge alone is not enough. Yeah. We have to start there with the uh, teaching kids how to read, but then we have to teach them that Jesus Christ is the only Savior and that they must repent of their sins, believe savingly in Jesus, 
and receive him as Lord and Savior. That is when the Spirit of God comes in you, and that is when you really start to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus. And you have a chance then to break, to, for God to set you free from all the sinful strongholds that you have, whether it's racism or anger or lust or whatever it might be. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, you will know the truth, that's the Word of God, and that truth will set you free. Amen. Read the Word and pray and grow in grace. God sets us free from our strongholds. Amen. Pastor Steve Gaines is our guest, pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, and also the current president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And Pastor Gaines, I was with you and Donna at the Southern Baptist Convention in Phoenix this past summer, and it started off with this Harvest America crusade. And uh, so many thousands of people came to Christ, Greg Laurie, and, and the powerful preaching of the Word of God, and then the Southern Baptist convention and that theme of evangelism and winning the world for Christ was so prominent, so prevalent, and I am convinced that the only hope for America and indeed the world is a Great Awakening-style revival, and that always begins with prayer. And uh, so I'm excited when I see about prayer movements uh, all over the nation, and that's followed by the powerful proclamation of the Word of God. And could you just talk to us a little bit about evangelism, soul winning, and what it will take for a Great Awakening-style revival to break out in America? Well, evangelism and soul winning come out of a revived people. You know, that when the church was birthed, it was birthed in a 10-day prayer meeting. It was not birthed in a business meeting. Hmm. And they were praying and crying out to God uh, there in Jerusalem, and God poured out His Spirit. And immediately on the first day when the Spirit was poured out, and I believe that's when the ecclesia, the called-out ones, the church, actually were uh, became the church on the day of Pentecost— 3,000 new converts came in, and uh, God sent Jesus to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus said to his disciples, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And I tell people, I tell our people all the time, I remind myself, if I'm not fishing for the souls of men, I'm not following Jesus as closely as I should. So, But it it comes when when people pray. You know, missions began in prayer, too. If you go to Acts 13... Uh, they were ministering to the Lord. I love that. That's that's what they were doing. They were praying. They were fasting. These church leaders there at Antioch, and the Holy Spirit said, "Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul to the work which I have called them." So missions was just like the church was birthed in a prayer meeting, and the reason that they had the anointing and the power of God on their lives. They didn't have buildings. They didn't have denominations. With all due respect, they didn't have radio, television, media, anything else. But they had the power of the Holy Spirit of God and the power of the gospel, and they talked to Jesus, and they talked about Jesus. Prayer and evangelism, talking with Jesus is prayer, talking about Jesus, evangelism and preaching, everywhere they went. That was all they focused on was talking. And you know, if you love somebody, you talk with them. If you love somebody, you talk about them. So if you love Jesus, you talk with him in prayer, and if you love Jesus, you talk about him in evangelism, and then those of us called to preach, preaching the Word of God. Yeah. Mm, amen. I love I love what you've just said. Uh, uh, you know, if, if you just know someone, you talk about them. But uh, well, how did you put it? I want to remember that. If you love someone, you talk with them yeah. and about them. I love my wife. 
I don't have, if you're around me within moments, I'll be talking about her. Mm-hmm. And I don't go a day. I don't care where I am. I always talk to my wife. In fact, when I travel, I probably talk to her more. I call her three or four times a day. But uh, if you love somebody, you talk with them, yeah. you talk about them. Yeah. And if you love Jesus, you're going to talk with him. You're going to, you're going to, and when I say talk with him, I mean he's going to speak to you. I believe that God speaks to us through his word. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. They follow me. I give eternal life to them. They will never perish, and no one will snatch them out no. of my hand. No, which... I believe that God speaks to us through his word, and then we speak to him in prayer. But then from that, we go out and we talk about him, all because we love him. Yeah. If we don't talk to him in prayer, it's because our love relationship with the Lord is not what it should be. If we don't talk about him in evangelism, soul winning, then our relationship with Jesus is not what it should be. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of what you've said now. Uh, the schools, you know, they're not all that happy to let the students hear and that sort of thing. It used to be quite different than that. Now, I have two quotes here from Webster. One is Daniel Webster and the other is Noah Webster. So I'm going to let you and Rich tell me which is which. Mm -hmm. But I know the Webster Dictionary, of course, is what I always was brought up. That's Daniel Webster. That was Daniel Webster. And the people, they would say, well, look it up in the dictionary. There's a Webster Dictionary right over there in the bookshelf, that sort of thing. Well, anyway, Daniel Webster said, whatever makes men good Christians makes them good citizens. And you know, I talked about this shooter from Las Vegas early. He was smart, obviously, had lots of money. I don't know, maybe he was a good gambler. I don't know what he what he did, but certainly there was nothing in his life, certainly from childhood on up, that filled him with the knowledge of God and the love of Christ or anything. Because Daniel Webster said, whatever makes men, whatever that is, whatever that is that makes men good Christians— also makes them good citizens. Folks, that's something our schools ought to be aware of today and not try and and diminish and and put on the doorstep outside. But Noah Webster, was that his brother, Rich? What was Noah Webster to Daniel Webster? I'd have to look it up. Well, we got to... All right. All right, but Noah Webster said, the moral principles and precepts contained in the Scriptures to form the basis of our civil constitutions and laws. All the miseries and evil which men suffer from vice, crime, ambition, injustice, oppression, slavery, and war proceed from their despising or neglecting the precepts contained in the Bible— Honest to goodness, how are you going to help somebody if you don't take care of the heart as well as the head? And those are the two organs the human body cannot do without. And you can't have one if you don't have the other. So, Dr. Gaines, isn't that the work of the church in any city? Is first of all, the Lord's people to get to know each other. The Lord's people to get to really understand their brothers and sisters in Christ and then put their shoulder to the wheel and their hand to the plow to turn over the soil and make that city something that it could be if the Lord's people would stand up on their haunches and declare it. I think that what you're talking about is exactly right. But you have to—I can tell you as a pastor— we get so busy, just like all Christians are busy, just like you guys are busy. You have to be intentional and proactive. You have to put it on your calendar. 
that you're going to go meet with a pastor who is of a different ethnicity than you. When my wife and I were on vacation this summer, we did a little staycation, and we stayed in Memphis for the most part of it. And we visited two or three churches, and they were African-American churches. And I became friends with a pastor of one of those churches and uh, that I, I knew of him. We had seen each other. But the fact that I went to his church on my day off, and uh, we took the, he and his wife to lunch, paid for their lunch, and it just gave us a bond. And now we're talking about what we can do to help reach the See, city for Christ. And, and now you've the got other, a, and now you've got a friend. Pastor. And now you've got a friend. And that's I, right. That's right. And the other pastor that I did that with, um, he and I have gone to a meeting. We have about ten pastors that meet together once a month. We have breakfast, and he and I have been part of that. He has preached in my church, and what we're doing uh, is is trying to reach out and and build bridges and uh because you can't you can't have unity if you don't even know other people but i'm telling you it is it is something that you have to be intentional about it doesn't just happen no and i know what it's like i've been a pastor 34 years senior pastor and i've been in the ministry for 40 years and if you don't plan these things they just don't happen now tell me this, and oh, and Rich is chafing at the bit here. What do you got, Rich? Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I tell you what, I want to hear your story because I imagine that you grew up in the world of the Southern Baptist Convention. Probably went to a Southern Baptist church, and I'm not diminishing that at all. I belong to a Southern Baptist church, but I always tell people, I, of course, I'm in radio broadcasting, and so I can have a little more fun than maybe the, some of the clergy. And I always say I'm a Methodist Presbyterian. And then they'll laugh and they'll say, I never heard of that. What is that? I said, well, that's a Bible-believing Christian. <laughs> that's a Bible-believing Christian. So we do grow up in a world, don't we? We do grow up in a, in a thought and an idea and all of that sort of thing because what Noah Wester included here in all of the miseries and terrible things is uh, the, the sense of injustice and slavery and uh, and all of these other things you see because because a person can grow up saying i believe the bible but they're not stopping and thinking how does the bible apply to my life today and in my opinion sir 50 years from now people are going to look back on our generation and say how could those people have killed their unborn children and not thought too much about it. Some of them even in favor of it. Someone protecting it with money. But even the church not particularly being concerned about it. And that was their own unborn children. Fifty years from now, will people look back on our generation like Lee? Well, like we look back on the on the days of slavery, because the Bible is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So anyway, that's something to think about, isn't it? It is, and you know, when I meet with African Americans, I think about what they have had to go through. I think about what it must have been like 150, 200 years ago. Uh, I've got yeah. 11 grandchildren. I can't even fathom my whole family going to an auction block and everybody being sold yeah. in 20 different directions and never seeing my wife, my family again, my grandchildren that has to do something on the psyche of a group of people. But what we have to do also is uh, we have to live in the present, and we have to say, you know what? There's one race, the human race. We all come from Adam and Eve. Yeah. Dr. Rogers said we also come from uh, Noah, no doubt, that was on that boat. 
And uh, so we we need to realize that there's one race, the human race. We are all uh, of the same blood, yeah. and we need to love each other. And e- in spite of our differences, we need to come together. And I believe the key is getting the pastors together. If we can yeah, get yes. pastors together, pray together, work together, win souls together, yes. as we do. And, and, and love each other. Love, But that love will come as we minister together and get to know each other, because we're going to find out, you know what, we're all praying to the same Lord. Jesus Christ is our Lord, and the Bible is the Word of God. We're all. I want to say this to you. Some of the best preaching I've ever heard in my life uh, comes from guys who are not Southern Baptist <laughs> and also some guys who are not uh, white. And I, I, I listen to these guys preach, and I, I have them preach in my church. Our people love them. I'm starting to preach in some of their churches, and we're just building bridges. And we believe Memphis is a key city. God put us right yes, there. And, and, they, you know, and some of the best singing, too. Hey, we're having some of the best visit here. Uh, I want to tell you this on that line. Uh, last Christmas, last December, my family went to Dallas, Texas, and we had an opportunity to go to the Christmas program at Jack Graham's church, Preston, Preston Wood Baptist Church, and, a dear see, and see their Christmas program. And then on Sunday morning, this was a Saturday, I think we went Saturday to the Christmas. Evening, yep. And it was so wonderful. It was beyond belief, you know, man alive. They really put them, their shoulder to the wheel. And then I said, now listen, tomorrow morning, I want to go to Dr. Tony Evans' church. Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship. Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship here in Dallas. And I will tell you, there our whole family sat I had children and grandchildren. Some of them were living in Dallas, and some of them were from Kansas City. We all, we were all were there as a family. And I will tell you, at Tony Evans' church, it was such a blessing. And it was at Jack Graham's church. The Christmas program was put on a little differently. But at Tony Evans' church, there was the children and the families. And I looked around that congregation. I saw men, and I saw women, and I saw teenagers, and I saw little kids. And I was getting so excited that a lady behind me, why, she tapped me on the shoulder. She said, oh, she said, I'm a member here. And she said, do you know if you're a member here, why, you're kind of expected to volunteer and serve on, I don't know, what was it, 10 committees or 12 committees? Because we well, take care of Find a place to serve. Find a place to serve. That was the importance. And she said, my, put husband, you to work. my husband does the same because they put you to church. They put you to work if you're going to be here. So you are absolutely right, sir. If we don't come together and know each other and by our own examination come to love each other, why well, it'll never happen in America, will it? I think if a pastor, no, it won't. I think if a pastor will just make, it's not what you do in a day that matters, it's what you do every day that matters. And if you will just put it on your calendar and just say, okay, twice a month I'm going to meet for lunch with another pastor, and at least once a month one of those pastors that I meet for lunch with just for fellowship, just to get to know them and pray with them, one of those pastors will be of a different ethnicity than my own. That is a way, that's just a simple plan, and if you'll plan your work and work your plan on Mm. that, you'll start building bridges, and you'll meet people that will enrich your life and broaden your ministry. Yeah, and then we will be doing the work of the church. That's right. 
Well, Rich, isn't this amazing? Now, it it's is. because of that crazy shooter. It's because of that crazy well, shooter evil, out there. Evil, the evil. It's because of the evil. You see In that? I thought. I thought. Now, this weekend's complete story. I want to. I want to inspire people. I want to do something that's good that will be helpful. And I thought, now, who is that going to be? And then I thought, well, Dr. Steve Gaines is the president of Southern Baptist Convention. But more than that, what I have been hearing is that they are at work, and he and his wife both have a commitment to the cause of Christ by doing things and loving out and reaching for other people. Go ahead, Rich. And I want to stand, I want to say I, I am corrected here by Wikipedia. Nora Webster was the author of the uh, the dictionary that we've been talking about. He's the author. Of, he, he was born in 1758 and died in 1843, the author of readers and spelling books, which dominated the American market at the time, spent decades of research compiling his dictionaries. His first dictionary, a compendious dictionary of the English language, appered in 18. 18- all right, now listen quickly. I and Daniel read, came I, along and, later. And Daniel came later. So Noah Webster is the one that said the moral principles and the precepts contained in the scriptures ought to form the basis of all of our civil constitutions and laws. Dr. Steve Gaines, will you close us in prayer? Yes, sir. Father, I pray that you will bind Satan from dividing our nation with racial prejudice. God, please forgive our nation for abortion, homosexual marriage, sexual immorality, racial prejudice, greed, prayerlessness. God, help us as Christians to be humble in spirit, hungry for revival, and holy in thought and deed. We pray with the psalmist, Lord God, and agree with him. Will you not yourself revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? In Jesus' precious name, amen. What else can I say, folks? This is Dick Bott and Rich with me here. Uh, well, a chapter of the complete story as a public service. I'll see you later.